0: Hello, and welcome to the Carrier's Edge podcast, episode 18. 17 of these have been in the bag, and now we're on number 18. I am your host. I'm the co-founder of Carrier's Edge, Jane Rowie, and with me as always...
1: Mark Morrell, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And that's very excellent of you to do an explanation of how 18 comes after 17. <laughs> always educating people that's what we're about you know
0: there's always these tidbits that you need to include to just spice it up
1: so next time can we have a lesson on what comes after 18
0: you know i might have animated triangles like sesame street and that will help me i'll have visuals for you as well
1: (laughs) that would be very cool
0: no i wasn't counting i wasn't You know, talking about counting, I was realizing that we have done 17 of these.
1: That is what happens, yes. We've done 17.
0: But it's more of an accomplishment. Yes. Just a little bit of an accomplishment, although I shouldn't be talking about this now. I should be waiting until 20 or 25, and then that would be an accomplishment. Some real milestone. But 17 or 18 times you have made me come to the studio and talk.
1: And we have managed to talk for upwards of an hour. Sometimes in excess of an hour.
0: And there has been no alcohol involved even.
1: And we've not received a single cease and desist letter yet.
0: (laughs) That we know of.
1: (laughs) We haven't haven't acknowledged any.
0: Yeah, exactly. We have left them unopened.
1: So what do we have on our agenda for today?
0: I am waiting to be shocked and awed by your list of things to talk about.
1: I don't really have that much.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess this is a really short podcast then.
1: Thank you, everyone. Good night. (laughs) Uh, No, we can do what we've always done, which is talk about what we've been up to and what we're working on now.
0: Okay. Well, what?
1: And I looked at the calendar and the last time we did this, so just for some context, the last time we did this podcast was just before we announced the Best Fleets top 20 for the year. So we've got three weeks of stuff that we can catch up on what we've been doing. We've got activities in the Best Fleets program. You've been busy doing stuff. I've been working on some things and we'll see where we go from there. So why don't we start with the Best Fleets because that's sort of picking up where the last podcast left off. And we
0: have a top 20.
1: We have a top 20 that have been announced and uh, seemed to go pretty well.
0: Was Uh, it four or five new members? Four new
1: ones this year. Uh, although one is a returning top 20. Herb has been That's on the right. list before. Uh, and now here's the question. Who are the other three that are brand new?
0: American Central Transport, ACT, uh,
1: Viria. Oh, and Keller. And Keller, Keller Log- Logistics. Logistics. Keller Trucking. Yes. Uh, so good. And uh, 16 returning ones, which it felt like it was a lot of new blood, but it turns out when we looked back, On the past few years, there's always been around four or so that are new each year. There's always some that drop off, some that kind of don't make it through to the finals, some that uh, make it to the finals but just kind of fall short for one reason or another. Um, Usually they've got something that they're dealing with internally or some distraction or something, and that makes room for some new people to Mm -hmm. slide in. And as happens every year, once again, we had some people that really... Sort of jumped out and really uh, um, not just slid in because somebody else opened a spot, but we're just racing hard for that top 20 and very easily made it into mm-hmm. the, uh, to the list of winners. So that's cool. And um, got very cool uh, fleets to watch this year, as is often the case. Uh, I'll give a shout out to my personal favorite, uh, Larway. Larway Transport. <laughs> Larway
0: Transportation, yeah. With
1: their, what, 14 trucks. Uh, that still managed to have a new entrant program, which floors me, and a whole bunch of other things, an onboarding program that includes coaching and really full-featured stuff for a company that small. They barely have anybody in the office, but still they're doing stuff that companies 10 times their size can barely get around. So I think they're fantastic. I'm glad to see them on the fleets to watch.
0: We also have Load One yeah is on the fleets to watch and they have a really cool new app which they released like right as the interviews were happening. So mm-hmm. there's only so much we can count it, yeah, um in terms of the program. but it is really, it, it's really is pretty cool where you can see on their app they can see where their vehicles are, but also where other mm-hmm. uh, car- their competitors are. So you can see where a good place to be to go. And it's, there's a lot of app, like regular app features, but there's a couple of interesting ones on top of it.
1: I'm very curious about that. How do they get information on competitor vehicles to know where they are? I should ask them that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's just one of the things Because you assume
1: that, that fleets are not publishing a public list of here's where all our trucks are at the moment.
0: Well, it might be um, more to do, although it's all expedite. So
1: hmm.
0: it, it may be something to do with that. That's something that I don't really know that much about.
1: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So we've got our top 20, our fleets to watch. We've well, who also... else is
0: on the fleets to watch? We had Load One, Larway...
1: Um oh Werder. that was a surprise yeah uh, a pleasant surprise to see them in the program and make the top uh uh top list there the fleets to watch, which is good they had a lot of stuff happening that uh uh really is shaping up to be an interesting environment for their drivers for sure uh we also had uh Bennett um oh, yes yeah. so uh, another uh contractor another
0: Bennett's another. Um, contractor fleet. Yeah. And Hoekstra. And Hoekstra, yeah.
1: Yeah. That did very well in the scoring. So, that, I don't know, for some reason, the fleets to watch are often more interesting uh, because they're the ones that have got so much stuff going on, and, but they still have so much potential. Like you see some of these ones that are on the top 20 and they're doing everything. They've got all these programs that they're doing and they've got their drivers are happy and they got great results and they're just sort of checking all the boxes to easily make it onto the top 20. But it's In some ways, it's great that they're doing all of that stuff. But yeah, it's like, yep, you're doing it. It's working. Okay, good. But when you see these fleets to watch, it's like they're doing these things, but they haven't finished it yet. Yes. They're sort of on their way. So it's exciting to be sort of part of witnessing them, Watching them it yeah. together. So I find that very uh, enjoyable to look at that.
0: Well, we also pick them. That's the one thing we get to actually pick.
1: Well, and that's generally why we pick them is because they've got all of these things that are happening and you can see that they're just on the cusp of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's really yeah, exciting. And we also part of.
0: we also have a bunch of um, fleets that were fleets to watch that are on the top 20 now. ACT was a mm-hmm. fleet to watch. Um, Varia
1: has been a fleet to watch.
0: Challenger was a fleet to watch. Yeah. Herb's been a fleet to watch.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of them that are fleets to watch that end up making it into the top 20. Maverick. Top uh, Transpro as well, yeah. I believe. So quite a number of them. and uh, yeah, Keller so-
0: Logistics or Keller Trucking just jumped in. Yep. That was a little bit of a surprise.
1: Yeah, I guess now you think about it, the of the four newbies, Keller is the only one that didn't go through the fleet to watch step first. Yeah, yeah, and there's always one every year that just jumps on. So,
0: and we do the scoring, and the conversation is something like, "Have you noticed that this company is doing really well?" Mm -hmm. And it's you know weren't expecting it, and you know after like you know to do well in one category is like often fleets do really well in one category because they've decided that that's where they've focused, Mm -hmm. and. You know, so they've got this huge plan that they're they're um, going through, and so it makes sense that they would do really well in in one category. But when fleets start doing well in three or four categories, you start noticing them.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that announcement is out, and now we're busily preparing for the convention.
0: I'm busily preparing for more than the convention.
1: <laughs> yes, we've got lots on the go over the yeah. next little while. Uh, convention is one of them, but. Thankfully, it's again at the end of March, which buys us a little more time to put together the results book and get everything ready for the uh, award presentation and our exhibit. And now we're doing a breakout session as well. So that's going to be a bit insane. And we have lots between now and then. Um, And I guess, yeah, well, I guess we can talk about some of those things because by the time we do another podcast, you'll be deep into it. So that's part of what you've been working on for the last three weeks as well. Uh, so, through March and April, Jane is going to be one of the uh, featured speakers at the Great West uh, Casualty Leadership Symposium. Yeah, uh, doing uh, five different dates across the U.S., and that's going to be a lovely adventure because Jane absolutely loves flying. So, getting to fly to all of these places is just going to be the funnest time ever, right?
0: Oh, it's going to be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> fabulous. And plus the extra, cause I don't want to, cause I hate flying. I don't want to do two flights in one, so I don't want to do a connection. Hmm. So I will fly and then drive rather than do a connection. So yeah, I have a couple of those. There's
1: two of them that we can't easily, or we can't get a direct flight to. So we could do a connection, but doing a connecting flight, um, when you could do a three hour drive, it's kind of iffy, because you're going to end up waiting around the airport for yeah. an hour or two for the connection, then it's going to be a 45-minute or hour-long flight. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. You might as well just drive it. So there's two of those that I am now conscripted to uh, come along for the ride and uh, be the chauffeur.
0: That's right. So,
1: yeah. Well, I guess I'm the entourage.
0: You are, are you?
1: <laughs> I'm the driver, chaperone.
0: Chaperone. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Person that I can clutch.
1: Personal assistant. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A person who figures out where I'm supposed to go and what to do and all of that. Yeah. But also, it's good to... Neither of us have been to one of these, so...
1: Yes. So, I'm looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. From what I hear, they're very good events and there's... Uh, Even if hundred, I'm speaking. Yeah. I'll skip that part. Yeah. But... You can uh, go to
0: the bathroom for an extended time.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll be like... You're on the second day, so... Uh, for the first one in Knoxville, uh, which is coming up in I guess two weeks, three weeks, something like that, uh, yeah, we'll be so. uh, we'll be going for the duration of it. I'm going to that one as well, and uh, that will be a good uh, good opportunity to see how the whole thing works and you know get comfortable with it. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, I think by the time, uh, Oh, by middle of April, uh, when our travel schedule is done, uh, we're going to be about sick of doing speeches and travel and trips and all of that other stuff. So that's going to be quite the adventure over the next little while.
0: Well, I'm also doing a local. I'm speaking at the oh, yeah. the TTSAO. No.
1: Yep. Yes.
0: The Truck Training, truck Schools, training Schools Association Schools of, of Ontario. Ontario.
1: Their uh, annual conference is coming up at the end of this month, February 28th and mm-hmm. March 1. And so you're on March 1 there.
0: Yes. My my job is to wake everybody up in the afternoon after lunch. So I'm going to go in there and wake them up and then zip in, zip out.
1: Hmm.
0: And, oh yes, and then the convention. So
1: Yeah. So that means that I think every week in March you're doing a speech in a different city. Yeah. My God. So, wow, you've ended up doing uh, a roadshow. I am. I'm doing the roadshow. I did six years of uh, cross-country tour, doing half-day sessions, talking about Best Fleet stuff just across Canada. And uh, that was uh, a bit insane. It would be like six weeks of, of travel, and I would go and do two or three different cities each week and just basically cross the whole country and throw in a couple of extras for different conferences and things like that, and it was a bit insane. But uh, you get to, you get to meet a lot of people, you get to see a lot of mm-hmm. different places, so it was good. And when I was finished doing it, I guess uh, I guess it was about three years ago now that we decided that it wasn't really feasible anymore. And I haven't really missed it because spring is crazy busy enough as yes. it is. Uh, but now that you're stuck doing it, it's even better.
0: Well, it's interesting that we flipped. So you know, good luck with what happens when. I'm gone. Cuz when you were gone, there was never a dull moment.
1: Yeah, that's true. I get to, to The stay kids had home and decided kid stuff.
0: Yeah, the kids always decided to have a crisis when as soon as you were on the plane. Yeah. So I couldn't even tell you about it until after.
1: Well, on the upside, one of the weeks that you're gone is March break, so that shouldn't be so bad. That'll lighten things up a little bit. Um, but uh, it, it's going to make for it's going to make for an adventure, that's for sure. Yes. So, but that's not all we've been doing. That was, that's been part of it, but there's, I don't know, <laughs> six or eight other things we've been dealing with. Well, that.
0: I've been, well, we've hired, we're hiring. Yes.
1: So that's been part of it. Yeah. And we talked about that last time, having some candidates and going through the process of trying to find the right people. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've each hired uh, new help and we still have postings out there. We're still continuing to hire.
0: Well, I'm probably going to be done pretty, pretty shortly because mm. I'm sort of on my final. Candidates, and then I should be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, things are going swimmingly so far. So
1: good. And uh, what's yeah, I
0: was though? told I was not allowed to talk about her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> not allowed to speak. That's pretty much all I can say.
1: Oh, I see. People don't want to be famous on the podcast.
0: Probably not. I it's see. probably,
1: yeah,
0: probably better that. I respect that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To respect something about our staffers, right?
0: Oh, but I have to tell you, this is news. Mm -hmm. Um, The my new hire, Julie, uh, she's going to put together orientation stuff for me.
1: What do you mean orientation?
0: Orientation for new staff, like how to? Yeah, I know.
1: Well, we have orientation. We hire them. We throw them into the deep end, and we see what happens.
0: We shouldn't say that because you know. It, we're not exactly an example of great bus fleets, although we're not a fleet. We're, we're a software we're, a company. But we should practice what we preach. Right. So although
1: we are getting a lot better. I was uh, setting we've up my documented. new guy and we've got, yeah, we've got a fair bit of stuff.
0: Uh, we don't have it all in one place. So that whole thing about the uh, trying to get to a public folder.
1: Yes, that needs to be documented. So for my, new, stat guy, holidays. For my new guy, I went and added his, his public folder for him. So ah. uh, I think that's, yeah, what to do. So, uh, yeah, so there's IT issues that we should clean up. Absolutely. Uh, but that's nice. If somebody's putting together orientation, fantastic. Yes, she's. She so is she building would. some courses as well, right, for she customers. Is.
0: Um, <clears throat> we were talking about uh, the harassment course that we are, that is our next title. Mm-hmm. And she's working on it and she is hoping to have it, um, like a draft of it in the system by the end of February.
1: It's not bad. Mm -hmm. So then it would go to voice early March.
0: I think it would be done by the end of March.
1: Oh, so it's a big course then.
0: Yes. Well, I don't know yet. So she's sending me me the outline for it. And then we're going to talk about it. Maybe it will be separate courses. Maybe it will be one big. Well, always be separate courses if it's one big course because we'll have the minis as well. But I need to sort of decide... It's difficult because there's a lot of things that go into it. So there's a whole whistleblower protection. Is that mm-hmm. Canada and the U.S.? Is it, it is different. So how do we handle that? There's the, um, in Ontario, there's a violence mm-hmm. in the workplace um, legisla- regulations or legislation that you have to follow. But And then there's other harassment provisions that go along with HOS and... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different bits of things. And then there's just irregular sexual harassment. Yeah, you
1: need to have your anti-Weinstein bit.
0: Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of what we're wrestling with right now is, you know, how to wrangle all of that into good information. So it will probably end up being a larger course that is split up into different titles. Yeah. Very nice. And there will be a Canadian and a U.S. version because...
1: Too many different regulations and things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is interesting to kind of move into some of those softer mm-hmm. skills type courses. And like the conversation we were having yesterday about the, the ideal traits for drivers and, um, putting together some content that addresses what to do. If you are, uh, somebody who has some of these traits that are less ideal. So, um, you know, for instance, we know that, uh, patience patients, uh, versus impatience, those kind of things can be, um, triggers for good or bad driving behavior, thrill-seeking versus passive and those kind of things. So if you're anxious, uh, if you're an impatient person, uh, how to deal with that in the context of driving and uh, how to put together sort of some strategies that will help people have better success. And I think that was an interesting conversation and I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can do with that in terms Mm -hmm. of content because that stuff that applies across a range of different subject areas. So like we were talking about distractibility is one or um, impatience and things like that. And so the logical choice is, okay, we'll have somebody do a distracted driving course or have somebody do a defensive driving course or something like that. And that's sort of part of it. But if somebody has that sort of impatience or uh, that distractibility, the lack of focus, well, that's also going to play into how they do their inspections, how they do their securement, how they do their paperwork and all of this other stuff. So understanding that uh, the the strengths and weaknesses and what that looks like, how it manifests itself, and then having some tools to um, act as supports to help people in those situations, I think will be really useful.
0: I would agree with that. Hmm. I think it. Uh, I think will also help people to sort of realize the kind of driver that they are. And, and I keep thinking about our kid who is learning mm-hmm. to drive and has some of these issues. <laughs> yeah. You know the MP He doesn't like being late. So when he's late and he's driving, it's not great. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, what kinds of things do you do to coach him into, not, you know not not taking danger or not making dangerous decisions because you want to get someplace faster.
1: Yeah. And I found that uh, interesting working with him, sort of doing some coaching. And another challenge is decision making. He sort of, he doesn't want to make a decision. And when he does, he's very reluctant to sort of act on it decisively. But when you're driving, you do have to act on those decisions. You've got to make a decision, you've got to act on it, and you've got to act on it with purpose. So you can't decide that you're going to pull out into traffic and then inch your way out at three miles an hour because... Uh, it's just going to drive people crazy. You've got to get there and you don't speed, you don't rush into it, but you've got to demonstrate that you're doing it in a way that doesn't uh, get in everybody else's way or doesn't cause other problems. So that's sort of an issue that he's working through with the driving, but it also plays out in other parts of his life as well. So we talk about it on a more general level. So we're kind of going through driving to other things, but I think a lot of people will sort of come through those other things and that self-awareness into the driving and, and fix those uh, behaviors in a driving world as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so very interesting stuff happening on the course side. And I know you're continuing to do more foreign language stuff. You're, you're doing some more Spanish, doing some French. Yeah,
0: FISMA is coming out in Spanish soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: We got some more French Mm -hmm. that we're going to be doing uh, shortly as well, which is uh, always, always welcome by the uh, uh, by the customer base. So something else to discuss. Uh, I did an interesting webinar uh, this week, one that we haven't talked about a whole lot. And in our monthly webinars, it's one that for whatever reason has been delivered, delivered less times than any of the other ones. And that is the session about combining classroom and online training to actually make the most of them. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting to get your take on it, uh, because I sort of put this thing together on my own and put together my ideas about Uh it, but (laughs) it occurred to me that it'd probably be a good idea to write some LinkedIn articles, but uh, um, I'm interested in your feedback or your thoughts on it as well. So I had kind of mapped it out, breaking out, You know, there's all of these different ways of delivering content. Um, you've got the classroom, you've got the self-study, online self-study, like what our courses are, but you've also got live e-learning that you could be doing, um, like a WebEx or a GoToMeeting kind of thing. You've got the kiosk models that the museums use and other people use from there. Um, so I focused just on classroom versus... The interactive self-study and what I was thinking about is even if your main reason of main reason to decide between them is scheduling which is what most people in tracking do is Mm -hmm. like okay well we can't schedule everyone in for classroom so let's do it online right but you still want to make sure that you're making the most of each of those tools even if you can schedule everyone in for a classroom doesn't necessarily mean that you should if all you're going to do is have somebody standing at the front of the room talking, that's not a great use of classroom time. So I spent some time in this webinar talking about, um, you know, the sort of the best practices and how to make what things to think about when having a great or when creating classroom cornices to make sure that they're great, what things to think about with uh, online and how they balance each other. Um, But I always love getting your input on the, the classroom stuff because you have a, a very different perspective and you always have an interesting approach to it. I had said that one of the biggest things that they should look at doing in the classroom is um, just taking advantage of the opportunity to collaborate. The fact that you've got a bunch of people together and you don't want to just have uh, somebody standing at the front as a talking head. You know, what could they do? Um, to make it interesting? How do you break that up? So if you're delivering content, like some of the stuff we have in our courses, if you're going to deliver that in a classroom setting. How would you do that? What kind of things would you use to keep it interesting in a classroom environment?
0: Well, what kinds of things are they doing in the classroom when they do something online? I guess that's the question first. So you would want to do your administrative stuff in a classroom if it's orientation.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about a regulatory thing.
0: Oh, regulatory? I think, okay, I almost always go to hours of service uh, to to start thinking about um, regulatory information. I guess hazmat as well. But I think what you could do in a classroom would be scenarios. Mm-hmm. That would be the most useful thing to do And come up with common scenarios that are problems or issues or sticky things at the company and work through those together, but also let people talk.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's
0: a really good opportunity when you bring people in for training is to let them have that, I don't know, 20 minutes somewhere in the session where they can just talk about whatever. And a lot of the times when there's a lot of things going on that are problematic. So say ELDs you you have to introduce ELDs and, and you haven't done it 3 years ago, so you're just doing it now and everybody's really really tense about it and don't f- you know, people don't feel like they are su- going to succeed. That's something to talk about. That's something mm. that's something that you could just let people So the
1: the first block of the classroom isn't really even the content. It's just kind of a dump of what are your questions, your concerns, all of that kind How of stuff. How are you
0: feeling? Yeah. You know, what's you know, what's the most irritating thing that you did? What's the best thing that you did? Do you have anything to share? That's something that, you know, when you're doing training and you and you're bringing in people all the time and they, you know, you're kind of doing this and I know that because, you know, I was always doing sort of when I was doing stand up, I always did you know a bunch of different people did the same class and you do it 50 times and you start kind of going by rote. but allowing people to talk is is much more powerful especially when you're trying to put them in a learning environment and trying to get them to open up they are much more interested in listening to what you have to say if they have already said what they have to say hmm. so giving them that chance is and then you can also document it right so if you have a flip chart you can have them, you know, you can basically make notes and say, you know what, this is something that you've brought up as an issue. I'm going to take it to management. And if there's, you know, two or three people or 10 or 15 people in the group, then that's a significant piece of feedback for management.
1: Hmm. And
0: I did that too, especially when there was an issue. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the issue had nothing to do with my training. So the, the famous time that you know about was when I was teaching um, SAP, which is a enterprise software. And so it was at a big company and I was teaching the accountants. And I don't remember what it was that I was teaching. I just remember that they were all really angry, angry people, angry accountants. And there's just this hostility going on. And I thought, I didn't know what was going on. So I basically stopped and asked, you know, what's going on? and Because I didn't know. I didn't work with these people. Right, I didn't know consultant. them. Yeah. And what happened was they had in their, in the whole situation of bringing in this new system, they had just, I had inadvertently told them that their boss was changing. <laughs> Because I had the information and no one told me that they didn't. So
1: you didn't know it was a secret.
0: No, it wasn't. uh, No one told me. I had no idea. I was just, you know, delivering information that had been vetted by my uh, supervisor. So I, you know, it's not like I just started teaching this stuff out of the out of nothing. Well, somebody
1: had to provide that information to you.
0: And and then, yeah,
1: didn't think it was a secret.
0: And so, you know, I'm blah blah blah, and and all these people are you know, freaking out silently because they realize that their boss has changed. And um I, and so they told me, and I was completely flabbergasted. I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And then it, there was just a litany of of complaints about the lack of communication. But it wasn't anything to do with me or the consulting company that I was working for. It had everything to do with their internal politics. Mm-hmm. So I basically did what I just told you: is I wrote it all down on chart paper and said I will go and tell, right? You know, my superiors, and then hopefully it will get communicated. But that really helped. So to, you started
1: your. You basically paused the class to have a group gripe for fifteen or twenty minutes. Yeah. And wrote it all down on your big flip charts. And then what happened after that?
0: With the class, it calmed down.
1: Hmm.
0: It was a massive difference in their attention, their level of hostility. Everybody was much calmer. Hmm. They got it out. They didn't have to. That wasn't that wasn't a problem sitting in the back of their heads, you know. You know when you were you're trying to concentrate in a meeting or something like that but you have a problem at home or you have a problem with right. a coworker or you have to fire somebody or, or something and you can't concentrate because you know your brain is is fiddling with this piece of information that you have to deal with and how am i going to deal with it and it's so awful and i'm ah uh, and so you're not going to learn anything <laughs> but well it's hard it's hard yeah. to turn that part of your brain off
1: yeah you're not able to focus
0: but if you have you have the ability to speak it and it's out there and it's just it's very cleansing there's something about it that just kind of removes it it's not that it goes away you don't solve your problem you've just it's not just yours anymore it's a group problem and it's much easier to to address problems when the group is there
1: well, you also feel like you've done something because you've spoken up about it. Other people have chimed in. Notes have been taken and somebody else has said, I'm going to take this up with management.
0: And just to, I know I'm going to interrupt you, but I think that's the power of the Me Too movement hmm. is that it's not just one person saying to an HR officer in a in a little boardroom by themselves talking about these these things that have happened to them. This is I'm speaking about this and everybody else is saying, yes, that happened to me too. And that's the same thing that happens when there's a problem in an office where, like for example, an ELD isn't working and people are getting really stressed about it you talk about it in a group, everybody else goes, yeah, me too. This is happening to me too. And just collectively, everybody calms down Mm -hmm. because, okay, someone knows maybe this is going to be addressed. And there's a much higher likelihood of problems being addressed if you talk about them as a group.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And and you're talking about that and there is an example that we know of a fleet that does that. I was just uh, writing up something about this earlier this week, um, because I was doing another article and kind of combined this, how to put the classroom and online together, and I realized that I actually had a great case study with that um, from Halverlines, that was one of the companies I was focusing on in this story, and they do this. They they do Smith System uh, defensive driving for their drivers, and they do it in a classroom format. And everybody has to go through it and they redo it on a regular basis. So I don't remember what their schedule is, but every couple of years you go back in and you do your Smith system thing. But because they're running this course over and over again, a couple of things happen with it. One is that they get a mix of drivers at different tenures coming into that class. So you get some people that are brand new and you get some people that are repeating it, which is a real benefit because you get sort of team building, you get different experiences and things like that, which makes for a more complete educational experience for everybody. But for the first part of that classroom, I think it's a full day class. And for maybe the first hour or so, they do exactly what you talked about, which is they take that opportunity to look at it and say, well, we've got a group of people here. Let's do a meeting. So there's a couple Mm -hmm. of company updates, but it's, what do you think about this? What's working? What's not working for you? So they're getting that feedback and that's the way things start. So by the time they get to the training, people have had that cleansing experience and they're ready to focus on the content and it works uh, very well for them. I mean, it's, their safety numbers are great. Their turnover numbers are great. They've been on the best fleets list. I don't know, six times, something like that. They're a
0: really solid company.
1: So it's a good example of it.
0: Yeah, and I think that people tend to forget about that opportunity. I can't remember what. <sighs> Shoot, sorry about that. I just just went away. Something about the opportunity. Um,
1: it doesn't occur to them that they're getting people together so that they should have a formal feedback collection uh, process that's happening there, and that I don't think. Well, I, I think some people actually do think about collecting the feedback, but I don't think anybody really connects the fact that they need to do that in order to open people up to the learning.
0: Yes. Yeah. It, it really is a, it's a, tr- oh, this is what I was going to say it's a team building exercise actually in a, you know, and you don't want it to just be, a, I hate this and I hate that. And I hate this about the company and you guys need to do, you need, you need to fix this. It can't be just that. It has to be something that is going to be productive. And mm-hmm. that is sometimes a little bit difficult to do, but I think doing that is better than icebreaker games. Oh Yeah. Icebreaker games, I just find so horrible.
1: And and you know what? I don't know that a lot of people in trucking are doing those in class. That's a real corporate thing. Yeah. But what I do see in trucking a lot is, uh, let's go around the room, tell us who you are and why you're here, or tell us who you are and one fact about you or something like that. And those things are rather pointless. You know, everybody can do the introductions uh, at the beginning, But you're not really going to get any meaningful contributions if it's just uh, going around the room, you, 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 you. Yeah. And yeah, I I hate doing that.
0: Well, I think that name tents or, you know, those basically it's piece of paper folded up into three so that it'll stand up on its own or Mm -hmm. cards that you can get that are, you know, if you don't have any money for it, you can just use photocopier paper Mm -hmm. and a marker and you can put that information on a name tent and... You know, and that can be part of the activity is you go and get markers and get the thing and make it. And then,
1: well, and here's then do something it. else to consider that I know is something that you do without even really thinking about it, but hardly anybody else does is just the arrangement of the room. You look at most driver training rooms and everybody's in rows. So if the drivers have got name tense, it doesn't matter because That's true. either yeah. I'm at the front of the room and you're all behind me or I'm at the back and I'm just looking at the back of your head. So, Look at how you organize a room instead. You put everybody in a circle, basically.
0: I try to, because then everybody can see. Like, you, you you have to try and get, I try to get close to people, like, not, you know, not in a nasty way, but I try to get to people to connect with them. And if everybody is sitting as far away from each other as possible, which is what people tend to do when they're uncomfortable, then... You know, there's less of that trust, right? If you want to build trust in a training session, no matter what it is about, you want to build some trust because if you trust someone or if you have some level of trust, then you're going to believe what they're saying and that the learning is going to change the behavior you want to change. You know, it's going to be more successful. And this is what people do intuitively with you know a lot of storytelling or joke telling and that kind of thing is they're trying to create rapport or trust. And to do if you let people sit very far away from each other and isolate themselves, then that is going to be a problem, the trust. And I don't want to make it so that everybody has to sit right next to each other, but I do want to make it so that everybody can see, I can see them and that I can get to them easily. So those, you know, when we are in, when we're in rooms that are basically rows of chairs, it's hard for me sometimes because I can't really connect with people. And especially at that room where, um, where the the last conference that we spoke at, it's very, very wide. Mm. And so I end up, basically going back and forth across the room because I want to make a connection with it. I don't want those people hiding in the corners. I want to right. make a connection with them as, if I possibly can. So, Well, and
1: that's an interesting point that gets me thinking about the different assumptions or the different model that is really just coming out of how a room is organized and I'm thinking about like traditional classroom or what's called a classroom layout, which is really all of the chairs in rows, tables and chairs in rows, it really is designed for an individual experience. It's the individual mm-hmm. sitting there listening to someone and probably taking notes. So in a speech situation, when we go to a conference and we're doing a breakout session there. That's how they have most of those things set up. And it makes sense because each person is there to get something from the speaker. It isn't meant to be an interactive or collaborative experience. You're, you're there to listen to the speaker and learn from them. But that's not really how to get good value out of classroom training in a corporate environment in a business environment especially in trucking where it's so disruptive to get everybody together into a classroom that you've really got to make the most of it you've got to get everything you possibly can out of that session so if you just have people sitting in rows having an individual kind of siloed experience listening to a speaker it's very much a waste of time you can do that online if you're going to get people together, you've got to have that collaboration happening. You've got to take advantage of an opportunity to build the team. You've got to get them learning from each other. And that kind of arrangement with everybody in rows is counterintuitive to that.
0: Well, I often will go and sit on desks or sit on tables and things like that, which is, and I don't do that during speeches, but I don't do what you do, which you tend to stay behind the podium, and I will, I will go further out. Well, if out. I'm
1: doing a speech... Uh, And it is that me talking, them taking notes, then that's going to be more applicable to that situation. But I'm thinking about in a classroom situation in trucking, they would be way better off to arrange their room with the the desks in clumps, in groups, like what our kids used to do in primary school. You'd have groups of four desks and, Mm -hmm. and everybody together, and then the teacher would kind of stand in the middle of the room. Or everybody, all the desks in arranged in sort of a semicircle kind of thing or a circular yep. format. Uh, or or just,
0: just sometimes it's just chairs.
1: Chairs or whatever. Yeah. Well, you want to give them some way that they can take notes and things like that, but have right. everything arranged so that it is um, promoting that kind of collaborative discussion and collaborative learning. If you're going to make the most of a classroom experience, you should be doing some group exercises and things like that, putting them into clumps uh, to work on things. And that is going to build more of a team, build more communication anyway.
0: One of the things that I really like to do um, in terms of an icebreaker is give them a puzzle. Mm. And give people, so, you know, you have groups of people, usually they're at a table. So often people have tables and and that's you know and there's like you have one person at one table and five people at another it's so um but you know give each table or each group of people or even if it's just two people give them a puzzle to fix out to figure out Mm -hmm. you don't have to um i mean it's really simple and you can find some really good brain teasers Mm -hmm. that uh, i had a really good one that where um it was this weird design on a piece of paper, and you could only see the words that were written there if you looked at the paper at an angle. yeah, so you if you were stand, flat. yeah, if you were standing up, you could see it, but if you were sitting down, you couldn't. so, uh, I think I did this with a bunch of people from a bank. I can't remember what they were, but I just had the I had, like this one piece of paper on every table, and you know, no one could figure it out. And finally, I gave somebody a hint, say, so just stand up. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's, you could see the ripple effect of everybody starting to just get it. It was like, oh, I, I could see it. I could see it. And those kind of activities are really good because it's not public. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like, okay, get up and do a song or, yeah. you know, get up and tell me your favorite animal. It's, you know, you're doing it in a smaller group. You, it's not a, it, it's an exercise that's a little bit fun and it, it also promotes trust. So mm-hmm. that's the, that's well, the kind of thing I like. Well, it was
1: an interesting setup last, I guess it was last June when we were at the Workforce Builders Conference in Kansas City. And the session that we did was a, uh, like a, what do they called it? A two hour intensive workshop, But the tables, uh, it was all round tables. Mm -hmm. And it was like five or six round tables in the room. Uh, So everybody kind of sat in clumps. And that really promoted the exercises and and interactive elements. And we had, I think, three different exercises that they had to do in groups. And then sort of they work on it. And then everybody shares their findings uh, with the class, that kind of thing. It can work really well. But I, I would love to see... And maybe somebody's out there doing it and uh, um, I just haven't seen it yet, but I would love to see a fleet that had all of their, instead of having those long rows of tables, that they had the round tables and had people sit at those, and they rearranged the number of tables depending on how many people were coming in into the, uh, the class. So if you've got four round tables that'll each hold six people and you only have 10 people in class, you're going to have... A bunch of people that are kind of you're going to have space for lone wolves out there mm-hmm. but if you know there's 10 people coming in class you have two tables in the room people have got a they're going to have yeah. to be in a group one way or another yeah
0: yeah and i don't have a problem telling people you know you have to move now <laughs> you have to come <laughs> and you have to come and see me and uh it's you know people are uncomfortable but if they're invited, then that often helps. It's really quite impressive what you can get people to do just because you're the teacher. I don't know oh, if people yeah. really understand the power of that. Is that if you're comfortable with what you're asking people to do, it's, you don't get a lot of refusal. Yeah, People will pretty much do whatever it is. And I've kind of started, you know, thinking more about that because I was at a session... Um, I was actually a participant in a, it was more of a, a um, it was a larger group, like there was a few hundred people there. And I think one of the speakers was like, okay, turn to your partner and, and tell them, I don't know, your super, oh, that's what it was, your superpower. And, you know, part of me is like, no, I don't want to <laughs> do this. And, you know, so I'm turning to the guy who's sitting next to me, and I can tell he doesn't want to do it either. But we did it. We both did it. And there wasn't like, there wasn't any problem. If you didn't do it, it wasn't like it was going to be, you were going to be punished. You just, because someone asked you to do it, you did it.
1: Well, the other thing that I always find weird with those, they'd say, turn to the person beside you and say this. Well, if everyone turns to their side, they're basically talking to somebody's back right you need people to turn towards each other and then another pair to turn towards each other but it never works out that way so there's always somebody that sitting is sitting in the middle sitting in the middle yeah the people I mean, on the other side have go have the opposite anyone. way or yeah. you turn and you're trying to figure out who to which one to go to because they're both sitting there and they're unsure as well yeah uh, those kind of things don't work very well
0: yeah that always makes me yeah i don't like i don't like the whole Get into groups. Get into groups of three. Oh yeah. And I always hated that because then you have, you're not thinking about the activity. You're thinking about the stress of getting into a group and will anybody want you to be in their group? And I want to be in this person's group, but they don't want me. You know.
1: <sighs> you can tell that we're both introverts. Yeah, the it's like I'm
0: not had. interested in. And in, so. I usually will assign people groups. Yes. Well, you get better groups when you do that. Yeah. And I count them off, right? I do, I think I did this with Workforce Builders, but I did, you know, the one, two, three, one, two, three, all the ones go here, all the, that's Mm -hmm. the easiest way to do it. But um, you can also put people into, there's so many imaginative ways to put people into groups, which is like, you know, pick a shape from this hat. Mm -hmm. And if you're a red triangle, you're with the other red triangles or go find someone who's a shape who isn't yours, mm-hmm. you know, find the complimentary color or, you know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of whatever. Yeah. I mean, you can make it, you can make it whatever theme you want, but, you know, or, you know, find all the shapes that make up a, tra- or, you know, make up a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I have a windshield, do you have headlights? Whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of creative ways to use those. And I've seen people do that kind of thing where they'll have different colors. They may have like four different colors up on the wall, And they say, pick which one of those is your favorite color and go stand by it. So it isn't just um, getting into groups in sort of the traditional way. It actually gets people out of the Mm seats and over and moving around the room. And that's another thing that really sort of breaks up the crowd, breaks up that, I don't know, concrete of a bunch of people just sitting there in their chairs waiting to be educated. If you get them to get up and walk around and move around the room and mix in different combinations, it really makes a big difference.
0: Yes. Yes, definitely.
1: Which always reminds me of one of my favorite examples of uh, uh, how to do classroom education in trucking. It comes from motor carrier service and the way they do their different stations around the company when they do their training. Uh, So instead of having a one day classroom session where they have a sequence of people cycling through, they break it up into different groups and have different stations around the company. So you may be in one place getting you know maybe there's four or five people in one place getting content and then there's another four or five people somewhere else in the company yeah. getting a different bit of content and then after basically when the period is up they rotate mm-hmm. around to different classes different stations it's so fantastic and it's not difficult to do uh, when you think about it but it's great it gets them out of the class so they're in the yard they're in the shop they're well, in the Well you have to
0: that's something you have to do That really is good for a large group um, is is having people split into different stations. And it's, I think, is an excellent thing to do for a driver meeting because the drivers are all coming in and they're not used to being in that office space. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminds me of um, parent-teacher interviews. You know, you're going off to you know, the different rooms and you're going to see different things. And it, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. I think it's, I think it's an interesting way to keep people on their feet, to have them do actual, you know, you know, drivers are very physical, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, um, they're not working as much with, um, like, completely, you know, analysis and stuff. I mean, there's analysis and that kind of thing, but their focus is very different than someone who's an accountant, for example. So you know getting them to you know get out of their comfort zone and go and do things that are a little bit different and stand up and get some exercise and that kind of thing is is really 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 helps motivate people i think especially if you can get some success or so you can get some sort of a reward for everything you've completed and it really sounds like grade school mm-hmm. but what works for kids often yeah. works for adults and you talk about adult learning principles but really rewards
1: yeah, work works for everybody. adults. Well, you made an interesting point there about the um, meet the teacher stuff and how you go around to the different rooms. And part of the value I get from that is meeting the teacher, getting sort of that physical meeting with the teacher, but also getting a sense of what the room is like. What's the environment like? You yeah. learn so much just from walking in a room and looking around. And I think it's exactly the same thing for. Um, that fleet education thing for the driver to not just sit in the driver training room and have someone come in and talk, but go and see where that person is working every day. What is their environment like in dispatch? What does it feel like to stand in the shop? That kind of thing and get a real sense of it. And that helps to make it more, I don't want to say make it more real, but understand what they're going through and what, what the world of that, uh, that department is like. So it's going to be a more effective education experience, and it's going to build up more, I guess, compassion as as to what the uh, department deals with and why they want things the way they want it and stuff like that. It's going to be a more effective education and team building experience, um, you know, all around.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's why, you know, you do the, I don't want to say the boring stuff online, but things that are, the things that are the same for everybody, everywhere, like a regulation. You don't really need to have that given to you via an instructor. So with the things that are really valuable as, you know, when you have a classroom is that connection. And I guess that's what we're trying to say is is the more imaginative you can be in how you connect with people and connect with your drivers, the better, because that's what people are going to remember at, you know, a, the driver surveys that we get through Best Fleets, it's always the connection with people that it makes them want to be at that company the most.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And in a lot of ways, those regulatory things kind of get in the way of building that connection because you got to cover the basic stuff, but there's not really that much of an opportunity. You know, at some point, you've got to just sort of get down to the meat of the content, the regulation, the specifics of it, whatever the case may be. But doing that online sort of clears the plate where you can then in class do a group exercise that is more of a scenario about what we're going to deal with in this company. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you've gone through the basics of cargo securement. You understand working load limits and how to calculate them and placement of tie downs. Okay, so now as an exercise, here's a typical load that we deal with. How are you going to tarp it? How are you going to put tie downs on this thing? Mm -hmm. And then that's going to be much more of an effective experience. But everybody needs that basic part of it um, before you can get to the fun stuff. So get the basic part of it covered online, then move into the fun stuff later.
0: Yeah. Let us worry about the uh, how to make something boring a little bit more interesting. Yeah. So there's nothing like... uh... There's nothing like uh, things like labels and mm-hmm. I'm thinking of WHMIS or what is it, HCS. You know, hey, which label goes on where? Yeah. I just It's hard to make that interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, it's easier to make it interesting in an online format where you can do drag and drops and yeah. more interactive things. And it's hard to make it interesting in a classroom because you're just showing a slide and you're expecting people to memorize. Yeah. You know, and same thing with like accident scene you can have much more engaging visuals in an online thing than you would in a classroom.
0: Yeah, unless you well you could do like you could mock up an accident scene and basically same you know like you would mock up a, an inspection. You mm-hmm. could you could do that as a group and have you know talk about the different steps, but I would have people do the online course first and then do some sort of group exercise in terms of accident scene. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like what we did when we were staging and actually Larway was really helpful in creating that um, course. And basically you have a car, you know, park a car beside a truck and sort of fake an accident scene and and then talk about what you would do. What would you take pictures of? What would you write on the accident report? Mm -hmm. How would you speak to the other people? So practice it. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing that I find that's really important. That could be
1: really fun. In a yeah. group experience to do role playing for <laughs> accident scenes. Somebody gets to be the belligerent motorist, somebody gets to be the stern cop.
0: Or the uh the media per the social oh, media yeah. person who's trying to who's trying Some, to video it.
1: Somebody else can pretend they're injured. Yeah, that could yeah. be a lot of fun. You rotate the rules.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: Way better than just here are the eleven bullet points that you must remember. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And this is the hard thing about training is that you know, there's a lot of facts that you have to get across. You can't, and you have to get them across the proper way. You've got to mm-hmm. use the proper wording. You've got to use the proper context. And um, so when you're really concentrating on that, you kind of stop thinking about how to make it fun. Yeah, you, You're really just concentrating. Oh, these people need to know this. So I got to, I got to talk about this. I got to do this. And you know when you have time to take a step back and think about hey you know i could do i could do it this way i don't have to do it this way it doesn't it's not like anybody's telling you how you have to train people it just tells you that you have to train them it just mm-hmm. says that you ha- they have to have this knowledge yep and so how you actually get that information across could be any number of different ways so mhm that's yeah. what I liked about talking about uh, talking to different instructional designers because I have a method of getting information across to people, um, but you know, new new people have new ideas and it's much more. I don't know. It's just richer. Mm-hmm. You get some new ideas and new ways of doing things, and I like it.
1: Yeah. Okay. A very lively discussion about how to make engaging classroom training
0: that we don't do. Yeah. <laughs> But we used to do. Yeah. Well, I used to. You I didn't. I never did. You didn't. You I
1: watched you do it.
0: Yes, you were you were a participant in my classes. Mhm. I think I sat on your desk.
1: Uh yes you did.
0: Yeah. I tend to do that.
1: Yep. Well, it works, right?
0: Yeah, it's because you're misbehaving and I had to. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't because of that. It was cuz I think I thought that you were bored.
1: Mm, I might have been.
0: It was a re- Really? I
1: don't I remember. I thought you were fascinated. This was 20 years ago. I don't remember.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll do that though. Also, because it's hard to stand up all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you're doing a full day yeah. Yeah, a classroom. Or two days. Like yeah, I often two day day did two day oh.
0: classes and it is hard to stand up the whole time. So you, you get into these habits where you lean against things and you sit on things and just trying to keep off your feet and so i when i actually taught school i used to have chalk on my back all the time so the kids <laughs> were always coming up to you know miss you have chalk on your back and they'd be just like banging on my back to to rub it off mm. that and they used to tell me that i left my coffee somewhere far away <laughs> yeah. Is it, it's it's just like right now <laughs> yeah
1: Well, it's funny because, yeah, I had sort of forgotten that in the corporate world, a lot of those classes are longer than a day. Yeah. You do a two day or a three day. And I'm reminded of uh, the last real job that I had at EDS. And one of the trainers there who was like their main trainer, they had this course that they delivered and they were a software company. And, uh, so they had a one main course that they did for their customers. It was basics of how to use this large insurance management system. And it was a five day course. Um, (laughs) and they had this one trainer who, man, she had been there for like 10 years when I started and she was around for a good 10 years or so after. Um, and she was doing this course. She would probably do this course 20 times a year or 30 times a year all over the world. So she would go somewhere and, um, do, so maybe she'd go to, uh, like they had a big business in South America. So she may go to like Buenos Aires and do the course three times. So she would do it like a full week course, five full days, have a weekend off, then do the same thing the next week, weekend off, same thing the other week, a uh, week later, and then come home. Uh, and then she would go, she'd have a couple of weeks at home and then she might be over to Europe to do it. Um, or then she uh, that
0: would kill me.
1: Yeah. And it's a lot of the time because uh. she was based in Toronto, but a lot of their growth area was Asia Pacific and right. uh, South America. So you're going to Indonesia and you're going to go to four different cities there and do a full week course. I mean, that just exhausts you. Well I don't it would know exhaust us. Yeah, I don't know how also, she did it.
0: The same thing yeah, over same and content, over and over again.
1: Same content, minor updates for different versions, but the basics of the system didn't change. Uh I I don't know how people have that kind of endurance or, or love I guess that's what it is. You gotta love doing yeah. stand up training, love meeting people, love that experience of seeing them get it. I think you have
0: to be an extrovert. Yeah. We're not.
1: Yeah. So yeah, our model is much easier for us to move <laughs> <Yes>. it online.
0: <laughs> we can create we can create pretty things, and uh, hopefully it educates people. Yeah.
1: And I think we can probably wrap it up th- from there, because we've been rambling for quite some time now. Um, and in our next edition of our podcast, we'll have updates on our exciting travel schedule and things that are happening in the world of speeches and new course content.
0: Mm-hmm. Will it be after the convention?
1: No, no. We'll do another one. Uh, probably so the early overall, March.
0: the overall winners won't no, be. No, we'll announced. still be
1: teasing with our overall winners. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we've got probably two more podcasts until we've announced that. Okay. But we've got lots on the go between now and then. So, until then.
0: And you will get to see what comes after eighteen.
1: Yes. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: Have a good day.